Welcome to Stacking Stones Podcast. I'm Pastor Mark. Today, I'm going to share a testimony from my audiobook, Stacking Stones, a testimony of hearing God and seeing His miracles. It's a collection of testimonies actually written to my children, and it is what the name of this podcast is based on. This testimony I'm going to share is how God led me through a bout with cancer. Now, if you're new to Stacking Stones podcast, we have one simple purpose, to give testimony of hearing God and seeing his miracles. And if you like what we're doing here and you want to support us, click follow. We would be honored for you to support us today. I'm sharing the testimony of how God led mom and me through the season of being diagnosed with cancer in September 2016. God is the one who has instructed me to share this with you kids so y'all know how he took care of us and moved in our lives mightily. There are quite a few things that happened along the way that we didn't disclose to you at the time because we were still walking through it and not sure how to process it ourselves. Before I was diagnosed with cancer in September of 2016, I had an interesting encounter with the Lord in May of that year. In May, I was 49 years old, staring down 50 on August 18th. What most people don't know is that I was dreading the day I turned 50. For some reason, I believed on my 50th birthday, I'm going to be officially old. So from my 49th birthday on, I lived in constant dread of turning 50. One morning in my alone time with the Lord in May of 2016, he said, Hey, I need you to get in shape. I need you to get healthy because what I have for you in this next decade will require you to be healthy to do it. I excitedly replied, Okay. I did my little Scooby-Doo impression. My mind raced. I was thinking, there's stuff to do in the next decade? What he has for me? Oh my gosh, that sounded exciting. I immediately started going to the rec center, working out, eating right, and running. God definitely shifted my thoughts from dreading the big 5-0 to being excited about it. I became proactive and very hopeful. Well, I got healthy and turned 50 in August. The birthday was so much fun filled with family and friends. I felt good and healthy. Three weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer. On a Tuesday morning in the second week of September, my testimony begins with a seemingly minor concern. I was having abdominal pain. Since I'd already had kidney stones before, I pretty much knew it was kidney stone pain. I told mom, we got up and went to the ER. They do all the CT scans, blood work, etc. Standard stuff. They confirm, yeah, you have a kidney stone. You need to go see your urologist. We went to the urologist that same day. Mom went with me because I was in pain and it was difficult to walk. We visit and decide to have surgery Friday at 1 p.m. The doc planned to do a sonar blast, which I had not done before, and blow up the kidney stone. I was thankful. Great. Thumbs up. Awesome. In that season, I was working as a pastor for the fourth largest church in America. I was also studying for my master's with classes on Friday mornings. It was Tuesday. So I let my professor know that I had kidney stone surgery scheduled for Friday, and I probably wouldn't make it to class. I had kidney stone surgery twice before, so I know the drill. After Thursday night at midnight, I couldn't take food, water, etc., including pain meds. On the previous surgeries, I woke up the morning of surgery in severe pain. 
It was difficult to walk, difficult to move. When I woke up the Friday morning of surgery, I had no pain. I mean, no pain at all. Well, I had prayed and asked God to heal me. I rejoiced aloud. I'm healed. I think I'm going to class. Mom was shocked. Really? I confirmed, yeah, I feel fine. Maybe God healed me. To be on the safe side, I asked mom to drive me to class. Mom agreed. I went to class without any issues. Mom picked me up and we headed to the hospital for surgery. As we were going down the Highway 360 toward the hospital in Arlington, I kept thinking, I feel fine. I started to question whether I needed to have the surgery. In my mind, I was wondering, oh my gosh, this could be super cool. God healed me. This would be great. We got to the hospital and the first thing I had to do was go to the restroom. So I go. Then it dawns on me that having a kidney stone makes it nearly impossible or at the very least unbearable to go to the restroom. Remember, it was a kidney stone. I came out of the restroom and thought to myself, this sure seems like I'm good. I shared with mom how I felt and what was happening in my body. Mom was adamant about following the rules. She reminded me, they have a surgery room waiting for you. They have nurses waiting for you. They have doctors that have allocated this time. They're preparing for surgery. You can't not show. I contended, if I'm healed, I think I can not show. Why not? I mean, like, why do I have to have surgery if I feel good? She exhaled. Oh, my gosh. I implored her. Hey, I feel like we need to pray about this. We ask God about so many other things. I want to go to the car and pray. Would you please come to the car and pray with me? And we'll ask God if I'm supposed to have this surgery. Mom relented. Okay. We went to the car. We both began praying out loud, asking the Lord, Am I supposed to have this surgery? I immediately heard no. I thought, let me wait for a second to see what mom gets. Mom looks up. I question, what'd you hear? She said, I heard no. I replied, yeah, that's what I heard, no. Mom concluded, okay, I guess we're not doing the surgery. I literally called the hospital from the parking lot to cancel the surgery, like right then. I had no pain the rest of the weekend until Tuesday. Tuesday of the next week, I woke up with mild abdominal pain, similar to kidney stone pain. I thought, oh my gosh, no, I thought I was healed. This time the pain wasn't so bad, so I drove myself to the ER and checked in by myself. They run the standard imaging and blood work. I'm in my own patient room sitting there by myself. The PA comes back and he flatly said, okay, so here's what you got. You have elevated, elevated pancreas enzymes, so we'd like to admit you to monitor those and see what that's about. You do have a kidney stone. Looks like you were scheduled for surgery. I'm not sure what happened with the surgery, but your kidney stone is still there. And then the mass that you have, I'm sure you've already talked about what you're doing to do with that with your urologist. I queried, excuse me? What did you say? Mass? He affirmed, well, mass, like tumor. I'm sure you've already had that conversation with your urologist since that was in last week's imaging. I challenged, I don't know what you're talking about. Like tumor? Like cancer tumor? He confirmed, well, it could be, but I mean, you don't know for sure. I'm sure your urologist covered that with you last week. I looked at him and I argued, no, 
My doctor never talked to me about that. I don't know what you're talking about. He continued, well, he probably talked to you about it last week. You might have been on meds or not paid attention. I said, nope. My wife was with me all day last Tuesday. Never left my side. Not in this hospital nor at the doctor's offices because I could barely walk. I can assure you the C word never came up. I promise you, if my wife heard cancer, we would have been talking about it. So no, no one has ever said boo to me about having a cancer tumor. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's when his demeanor changed. The PA's eyes got all wide and he blurted, I'll be back. He never came back. No one did for over two hours. Time seemed to stand still. I just sat on the cold table. I didn't move. Nothing seemed to move. The hum of the fluorescent lights above me sounded like something was moving, but it didn't. I had never really noticed that the room was so sterile. Metal tables, cabinets, and chairs, gloves, wipes, and swabs are stacked orderly on the counter, tiled walls. Even the floors were buffed and polished. Is the chilly air supposed to keep things sterile? He should be back by now, I thought. My watch showed it had only been eight minutes. Even my thoughts were slow, like slow-mo on a football playback reel. Then my thoughts raced. Great, I could have cancer. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? Oh my God. I thought about everything and everyone who meant something to me. I thought about mom and all the places we wanted to go. I thought about you kids, graduations, weddings, grandchildren. At some point I broke down and had a quiet cry thinking of the things which may not come. I processed quite a bit. I took some deep breaths to calm down, then called mom. I asked mom if a tumor was mentioned the week before, and she said no. We prayed and hung up. Then I waited for someone to come for the longest two hours of my life. When a doctor did come in, he proceeded to assure me, I'm confident your doctor talked to you about this last week. I contended, no, he didn't. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm saying it didn't happen. Now, what's the next step? He replied, we're going to admit you for your pancreas enzymes and probably schedule you for kidney stone surgery in the morning. And I guess you can figure out with your doctor what you want to do about your tumor, your mass. I said, okay. I was admitted to the hospital. My urologist did show up later that day because he was going to do my kidney stone surgery. When he came in, he is chatting me up. Hey, how are you? I interrupted. Hey, you never told me about the mass. What's that about? He was acting as if he did tell me when he didn't. We got into it a little bit. I finally demanded, hey, that didn't happen and you know it. He eventually backed down and apologized for the mishap. I didn't want to argue about it. I wanted to know what to do about it. The next morning, my urologist did the kidney stone surgery without a sonar blast on my kidney stone. Later that day, the fuller doctor was checking on me. Hey, you're the patient that said the doctor never told you about your cancer tumor. I offered, I offered, well, he didn't. The floor doctor made a comment. It sounds like you want retribution or revenge. I explained, hey, this has nothing to do with retribution, revenge, or anything. In my faith, you settle, you settle your disputes before you go to court. It's not about taking anybody to court or any problems like that. That didn't happen, and that's wrong. That's all I'm saying. And especially if you guys think it is important to let someone know he may have cancer. He listened and then left the room. 
A couple of hours later, right before I was discharged, a nurse comes in with a sealed manila envelope. She said, Dr. So-and-so wanted you to have this. This is private and you didn't get it from him. I replied, okay. When we left and got to the car, we opened the envelope. It was a computer printout of doctor notes of doctor's note entries about me. Each entry had a timestamp and the doctor was entering the information. It showed the radiologist entry the prior week about the mass. It showed that my urologist had put in notes about me the prior week regarding the kidney stone, but does not list any notes about the mass tumor. However, it showed that the urologist did enter a note that evening that I returned to the ER and was checked into the hospital, stating that he talked with me the week before. Looks like someone was attempting to cover his tracks. Shake my head. Why is any of this important? Because the sonar blast, designed to blow up a tiny but very hard kidney stone, would have blown up my cancer tumor and spread cancer over my entire body. And I probably wouldn't be here today. It could have been fatal. God told mom and me not to have the surgery to save my life. Had God not ordered our steps, I would not be here today. Next step, we began to get opinions on cancer treatment. As the first cancer doctor we visited, everything was leather and gorgeous. I felt like I walked into a nice country club. They even assigned us a liaison who brought us drinks and snacks. It was the royal treatment. Since mom and I both had been in professional sales, we were aware of salesmanship and presentation, so our radars were up. We met with a kidney cancer doctor who literally spent 50 minutes describing himself, his background, his expertise, and what the procedure entailed, which was removing a whole kidney. It was a very long and drawn-out explanation. All the while, we were being waited on hand and foot by our liaison giving us coffee, snacks, and water bottles. We were getting schmoozed, big time. It was both interesting and unsettling to us. We leave, and before we even get to the car, mom quizzes, so what did you think about that? I complained. I felt like we were getting sold. She completely agreed. Y'all know mom and I have had some very comfortable days in our life. Been country club members, nice cars, been around millionaires, a billionaire, etc. So the schmoozing part wasn't going to impact our decision in choosing a doctor. If anything, it put our radar up. I wanted a great doctor, not a great presentation. Also, his solution was to take out the whole kidney, not just the cancer tumor in the kidney. We went home and started to pray about what to do next. We felt led to get a second opinion. So I posted on Facebook to see if anyone I knew could give me a recommendation. People gave me names and referrals for a reputable research hospital in Dallas and a cancer research hospital in Houston. We went to see the doctor in Dallas first. From start to finish, our appointment was seven minutes. He came in and flatly explained, this is what you have, this is what we do, this is how we handle it. It will be difficult, but I do difficult every day. My guess is you wouldn't have come to see me if it wasn't difficult. Any questions? It was straight up bala. I was, it was greatness. Yes, that's what I want. In, out, swagger, it's hard, I can do it, no problem. By the way, the reason it was difficult was the tumor was sitting on the main vein or an artery. One question I had was about the reason that the other doctor wanted to remove the whole kidney versus the tumor only. 
His response was golden. Well, that would be the easiest thing to do. We don't do easy. We do difficult. And I do difficult every day. Don't worry about it. I can do it. He added, one of the things we have learned in the last 10 to 20 years is it's the best to leave as much of your kidney intact. What a great appointment. Next, we headed down to Houston to see another excellent doctor. Guess what? Same thing. I think this appointment was nine minutes. He casually explained, you have this, we would do this, we would do that. Deet, deet, deet. It's difficult. I can do it. I was so comforted to see super reputable, world-renowned doctors did not sugarcoat it. Shoot it straight. Tell it like it is. What else do you need to know? We discussed the next appointment choices and left. It was that fast. It was super great. And I mean, the information at both research hospitals was identical, which was very comforting. On the way home, as I prayed and thought about it, I shared with mom, since they both said the same thing, I prefer the doctor in Dallas. It allows the family to be there without causing anyone to travel. We both prayed about it and felt like that was the best decision. While we are going through all the physical steps to address the physical aspects of the cancer, I was also going through the spiritual steps to address the spiritual aspects of the cancer. I had been praying and praying against the spirit of infirmity. Y'all have probably heard me talk about the 14 demons named in the Bible. One of the named demons is the spirit of infirmity. The scripture also holds that we've been granted all authority in Christ to overcome the work and the power of the enemy. It's the authority delegated by Jesus to us so we can operate with his authority over those demons. Knowing this, I've been praying against and taking authority over the spirit of infirmity on a daily basis since I was diagnosed. When we went in for another checkup in October, the doctor shared that the tumor is still there. I still have cancer. I was very frustrated. Ugh. The next night after y'all had gone to bed, I'm talking with the Lord about permissions and intrusion regarding the spirit of infirmity working in my body. The word of God reflects two ways that the enemy attacks us. The one way is through intrusion, which means he does not have permission to be there. We can pray against it and he'll flee. The second way the enemy attacks us is through permission, meaning we grant the enemy permission to wreak havoc in our lives through willful sin, vows and agreements, unforgiveness and judgment, hurts, traumas, and curses. I had been praying and taking authority over the spirit of infirmity, but it didn't go away. I had a gut check that night. I'm thinking, well, if I believe that I've delegated authority, the flip side of taking authority over intrusion is that I may have given permission. I didn't think I had any permissions granted to the enemy, but I went ahead and asked, Lord, do I have any open doors where I've given permission to the enemy to wreak havoc in my life? Very gently, very kindly, and very quietly, I heard, yeah, you do. I was stunned. Really? Gently, he continued, you have unforgiveness, you have bitterness, you have some anger. I wept. I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. Then the Lord started showing me all the different people that I had unforgiveness, bitterness, and offenses toward. He showed me each one, like replaying events in my mind. Most I had forgotten. He showed me that some of the people whom I had unforgiveness or offenses toward 
had not done anything to me. They had done things towards people that I knew. Due to my role as a biblical counseling pastor, I would visit with staff who sometimes shared things that happened at work. Some of the situations the Lord revealed were not things that happened to me. They were offenses that someone had committed against someone else, but I picked up their offense unwittingly, and then I held on to it, and then I forgot it. It was as if I packed something in my backpack, forgot about it, but then carried the weight of it around with me. And if you would have asked me two weeks before if I had any of these, I would have answered, no, I'm good. But that night, the Lord was showing me places in my heart where unforgiveness, bitterness, offenses, and anger had rooted. I wept dearly as he revealed each situation. I mean, I'm bawling. My heart is undone. I cried out, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't want that. I then remembered that I actually know what needs to happen for me to close the doors of permission. I hate to say it, but I love to say it. That's what I do for a living. I help people close those doors and revoke the permissions they have granted to the enemy. The spiritual realm works in authority. When we grant lawful permission to the enemy to steal, wreak havoc, and destroy, it's also within our authority to revoke it. It's like signing a lease or a contract. It is permitted under the law. We have allowed them permission in our house, and they're not going to leave until we remove legal authority, revoke permissions, and evict them. If you look at Scripture, authority is all through the Word of God. It is how it works. While I knew how to walk through it, it takes some time to walk through each situation the Lord revealed. Over the following days, the Lord kindly walked me through each situation. He even revealed what some folks were working through and how he is not done with them yet. He didn't have to show me anything that person was working on, but he did. In doing so, the Lord helped me to have compassion and grace towards them. The next several days walking through these situations were tender, holy, and incredibly intimate times with the Lord. The next week in my alone time with God, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to heal you. I was so overwhelmed with joy and peace. I was, whoa, this is awesome. I'm super excited. I know people who were healed of physical ailments. Grammy was healed of her borderline cirrhosis of the liver. She also healed of having to use a CPAP machine. Jillian, you had your eyesight healed. I've met other healed people at church also. In a step of faith, I let everyone know the Lord told me he is going to heal me. Would you please agree with me in prayer that God's going to do what he said? We had one final MRI appointment before the scheduled surgery. I was hoping to hear that I was healed. The final MRI was scheduled for early morning so we could review it with the doctor that same day at 4.30. On my drive to my final MRI, as I'm singing and worshiping in the car, the Lord brought to my memory a Bible study I attended about 12 years earlier. The study explained the three different provisions which God gives for healing. I remembered the three. The first provision God gives for healing is natural healing. He created the body to heal itself. You cut yourself, the body starts working on it immediately. It scabs up and starts to regenerate, right? 
The second provision is supernatural healing. This is what most of us consider when we hear, oh, someone was healed. The third provision God gives for healing is through his wisdom he grants to people. God grants wisdom to humans. He gives them giftings and abilities to be doctors and researchers. It's a God-given gift. As soon as I remembered that Bible study, I started laughing. I knew God brought that to my mind because he was going to heal me through doctors. I just knew it. I thanked him. You know what, God? I'm super cool being healed by doctors. I'm absolutely fine with that. Thank you. Thank you for this sweet moment of memory. I love how you love me. You're so sweet. And thank you. I continued to the MRI and completed it that morning. I meet mom back up at the doctor's office that afternoon. From the doctor's perspective, this appointment was to detail the final steps of how they would perform the surgery. For us, it was the final appointment to confirm God's healing, except I felt the Lord already informed me that morning how I would be healed. We arrive and we're seated in the doctor's office. The doctor we met with before came in. He is sitting a little bit to my left. Mom is sitting to my right. So we're sitting angled in the chairs, leaning our heads and vision to our left. I can't see mom at all. She's almost behind me to my right. The doctor begins, hey, we looked at your final MRI images. Here's the deal. It's not as difficult as would require my skills. The final MRI revealed that we will be able to do it with robotics. And the doctor that does the robotics is someone else. It's not me. I'm going to go get him, then we'll talk about it. Our doc leaves and returns with the new doc. The new doc comes in and starts talking with us. Here's the situation. The tumor is this, the tumor is that. It's still there, sitting right up on a main artery. And we're going to do this, this, and this. Then he said, do you need to talk about it? I replied, what? No, I don't need to talk about it. Let's go. Let's schedule this. He quizzed, okay, well... How soon would you like to do it? I suggested as soon as possible. Geez, I've been living with this since September. Let's get to schedule. How fast can you do it? The doctor offers, well, you have time. I mean, you can talk about it and think about it if you want. I pushed, no, I don't want to talk about it or think about anything. Just schedule. Let's do this. I'm absolutely, completely ready. Then he said, well, and paused. I had never detected any hesitation or pause from these doctors until now. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, every time I talked with the doctors or people down at the, this research hospital, they had been very direct, candid, and quick to make decisions. So when he paused, there was something in his eyes I could not quite make out in the moment. He continued, I tell you what, why don't y'all talk about it first and I'll be back. And then he leaves the room. I thought, what is going on? After he leaves, I turned to look at mom. Mom was quiet crying. Big tears were coming down her face. I mean, she was crying, but no sound. I didn't even know it because I couldn't see her by the way we were seated. The poor doctors were trying to give me hints. Through her tears, mom lamented. I thought God said he was going to heal you. Ugh, I had forgotten to tell mom about my car moment that morning with the Lord and the three different provisions for healing. I apologized and proceeded to give her my complete experience from the car that morning 
and that I believe that God will heal me through surgery. It was a tough moment emotionally for both of us. Obviously, I felt horrible that I hadn't told mom what happened earlier that day. And mom's expectations of the tumor being removed supernaturally left her disheartened a bit. When the doctors came back in, they had one more clear message of hope and healing. If the surgery goes well, you won't need any radiation or any chemotherapy. Whoa! Astounding news! <laughs> I had the surgery, it went well, I had no chemo, no radiation, and that was the short of it. The really amazing thing is if I didn't have a relationship where I'm walking and talking with God, I may have had the original surgery blowing up the tumor. And of course, the way God allowed me to have no pain which led me to skip the surgery, was miraculous as well. The ways that God moved in my life to deliver me from cancer and potential death and deliver me from a doctor who didn't have his A-game is humbling. God was merciful to me and to all of y'all as he brought me through cancer. It was surreal and memorable time in my life. It was hard as well, yet spiritually intimate, beautiful, and holy. I think it is a great testimony of how God moves. Some things he did were counter to my understanding, like when he said, I'm going to heal you. Mom and I thought it would be supernaturally, yet he reminded us that there are other ways to be healed. I certainly had to think about death and the what-ifs when I first heard the word cancer. Those things crossed your mind. I thought about each one of you. What would I do? What would life be like? I mean, as a dad, I love being a dad. And I love each of you so much. And I enjoy you. I want to be with you. I'm so grateful to God that he poured his mercy on me. I also felt like he poured his mercy on y'all, that you didn't have to deal with your dad's death at a very young age. I'm really, really grateful. God has asked me to share this with you so you can know that he is real. He is merciful. He is loving. He is faithful. He will talk to you. He will guide you. He will lead you. If you pursue him and let him, he wants to be close to you and to walk with you. God has sweet, intimate, good things for each one of you. I love each one of you so much. And I'm grateful that I've had all the years past 2016 to be with you, and to enjoy the holy, incredible fun, and tough times together as a family. God wanted you to know this. This was my experience in 2016, and it was amazing. I thank God for the opportunity to live life each day with a little more gratitude than before. I love y'all. Bless you. My prayer for you. I pray that you would walk and talk with the Lord. I pray that you would trust yourself in hearing the God pauses in your life. I pray you would realize that our physical, spiritual, and emotional lives are intertwined and that they affect each other. I pray each of you would know that I am imperfect, flawed, and full of love for you. And that God loves you way more than I do, which I cannot fully understand. But it's true.
If you would like to give a testimony of hearing God or seeing a miracle, we would love to hear from you. We invite you to pray and ask the Lord if this is a time for you to share that testimony. And if it is, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please email us. Our email is info at stackingstones.life. Info at stackingstones.life. We just pray that the testimony of Jesus will encourage you to pursue him even more. God bless you.